Welcome to another edition of Thrive in the Decline. On this podcast, I'm going to seek to kind of play around with the question and the answer to the question. When is it okay for a pastor to drive a Bentley? Uh, there was a story some years ago about one pastor giving another pastor a Bentley. And I just remember that sitting not real well with me. And sometimes pastors flaunt wealth and sometimes they make a big deal of how much they have. And I know of one pastor who says, um, I want to be the first pastor to be the billion dollar to reach a, a net worth of a billion dollars. And so I thought I'd just play with this question and maybe we can learn something uh, as we do. So to start, thousands of years ago, a priest named Eli had two sons, Hophni and Phinehas. And like their father, these boys were charged with representing God to his people, with mentoring and facilitating worship of God by his people. They abused this responsibility, and worse, when they were corrected, they ignored correction. As a result, their lives were cut short and they were replaced. Representing God is a big responsibility. And representing God is a high calling. Moses, called to represent God to a people who barely knew him, found this out when he was told to speak to a rock and watch as it poured forth the water they desperately needed. Instead, what he did, see, he was frustrated with the people he was responsible for and the way we can often act. So he hit the rock twice, showing as God's representative, not a calm and faithful God, but a frustrated parent who relents to children crying and pitching a fit. As a result, Moses was not able to enter the promised land and was replaced as God's representative. We see this pattern all over the Old Testament. Saul, God's anointed and representative, abused his responsibility and instead became self-serving, ending his entire kingly line before it started. Solomon caused an entire nation to fall due to his inability to faithfully serve the one who put him on the throne and the one he was to represent to the people he was responsible for. The kings of both the northern and southern kingdoms show this pattern repeatedly. And the priests, not all of them, Maybe not most, but the priests of the Old Testament, so often leading the people into sin instead of worship, so often adjusting the system to find personal benefit. What an awesome responsibility it is to represent God, and what an incredible opportunity it is to abuse. God charges people to become his representative to others. And before you go there, the role of priest and elder are 100% biblical and completely modeled and supported in both the Old and the New Testaments. God wants people to do it, to represent him, but people are imperfect. People seek to gain from the system. People skim a little off the top or a lot off the top. They notice the places where no one is looking. Or they enter the system when they're not called to be there in order to con the system. We know this, right? God wants people to represent him, but lots of people stink at doing so. And before you look at pastors and only pastors, remember what the name Christian means. It's one who professes belief in the teachings of Jesus Christ. And most people who are abusing that name, the name of Jesus today, are not pastors. They're entertainers who swear and sleep around and thank God from podiums at award shows. They're politicians who come from evil backroom deals to a public prayer breakfast. They're bosses who trash their employees before they call them into their office and sweet talk to them over the decorative Bible on their desk. Read the story of Samson sometime. 
Everyone knew he was set aside for God's service, and he publicly abused the literal power of God left and right for personal gain. He, he kind of redeemed himself a little. Representing God is a big responsibility, and representing God is a high calling. And God knows this, so he equips believers, he gives them his Holy Spirit, he challenges them weekly in church, he challenges them daily in Bible study, and he challenges them hourly in prayer, and he challenges them at every lunch with an accountable friend. He reminds us to consider our actions, to think of what other people see in us, to make a daily habit of considering his commands. God's commands are not abusive, and God's commands are intended to keep are not, not intended to keep you cowering and afraid. They're intended to keep you from falling, from destroying your life, from abusing your calling. David said, Oh, how I love your law. What? Who loves rules like David? People who don't want to ruin their lives do. That's who. People who love God and want to follow him the right way do. People who accept the calling Christian or pastor and want to do it right. There's a big rule and one we should love. You must not misuse the name of the Lord your God. The Lord will not let you go unpunished if you misuse his name. First, this commandment isn't about cursing. Well, it's mostly not about cursing. It's about striking a rock when you're told to speak to the rock. It's about waiting for the priest when you need to make the sacrifice right away. It's about following the rules of worship when you see an opportunity to get a little extra for yourself. It's about tearing down the foreign idols when keeping them may open a door for commerce with a neighboring kingdom. Which brings me to Bentleys and mansions and pastors. God wants you to have a pastor. Make no mistake. He calls pastors and he wants you in a church with a pastor. I know you read a tweet from a guy who said God doesn't want that for you, but that guy is wrong, 100%. Revelation is written to local churches. The angels of each church are probably the pastors. Most of the New Testament literally consists of letters to churches. The disciples risked their necks daily to start local churches. There's no indication in any of the New Testament that believers are able to live an awesome godly life apart from the local church. I don't care about buildings because, as for us, we've met in houses, we've met in movie theaters, we've met in bowling alleys, but you cannot make a clear biblical case for a local church-free Christianity. But some pastors stink at representing God, like all Christians. We're, we're not supposed to be okay with that, but it's true, and we're still supposed to be a part of a church. Read the rules in 1 Timothy 3, 1-7 for being an elder. Lots of people shouldn't be elders. Lots of elders should prayerfully examine whether they should remain elders. God wants people to represent him, and they stink at doing so oftentimes. So he gives us a great list of guidelines to make sure that they're doing it right. And he gives instructions all over on how to correct them when they're not. In fact, continual misrepresentation of God in local churches will lead to God removing his presence and his purpose from your church. Revelation 2.5 uh, is a great kind of indication of this. And just look today at mainline denominations in Christianity and you'll see this happening. So it's a high calling to represent God. And the people who are called to do that, pastors, should be paid well. 1 Timothy 5, 17 and 18, just read it. But remember, they're still representing God. So you want to see a system primed for abuse. Look at the local church. <laughs> a guy is called by God to represent God to a people who are supposed to go to that guy to be led in worship, like the sacraments and everything else. 
Those people then are supposed to give financially to the church. And this is a requirement not undone in the New Testament. And they're supposed to make sure the guy that preaches is paid well. And Philippians 2.14 says they're not supposed to complain and are supposed to see the pastor's calling as a high calling worthy of respect. People think abuse by pastors is new. It isn't. In fact, lots of Jesus' words were for religious leaders. Lots of the prophets' words in the Old Testament were for, you guessed it, religious leaders. Today, if Jesus spoke to the church, lots of his words would probably be for pastors. We have a high calling, and we can sometimes abuse it. We should be paid well, but we should also represent a God who champions the humble, who never looks past the outcast. We should dress nice, but we represent a God who would walk the slums of Haiti and the AIDS colony in Cambodia. It's a bad look for a pastor to get off a private jet to receive an offering from a widow who hasn't paid rent for the last three months. And I think Paul agrees. And I think he probably sets the tone for this discussion in 2 Corinthians 8. Look at what he says here. Of course, I don't mean your giving should make life easy for others and hard for yourselves. Look at the apostles. There's no flash. There's no shows of status and wealth. There's no way to make a case that Jesus, the apostles, Paul, any of them, drove fancy camels and wore robes of purple, which were really expensive and rare. But really, the onus isn't on me to prove that it was or wasn't done. It's for a pastor to find support in the Bible for anything but a simple, humble, needs-focused life for anyone who is called to represent God to his people. Can Christians be wealthy and good? Absolutely. Our ministries have been funded by amazing wealthy Christians. Jesus said that this would be the difficult road, though almost impossible, but the church has always benefited from these wonderful wealthy Christians. Should people and should the people who are called to live off the system of worship that is so easily abused, who get offerings from poor widows and struggling single dads, drive around in cars that cost half a million dollars and preach in Armani suits, I feel like we all know the answer. Being a pastor is a high calling, and it's a calling that's easily abused. Thanks for joining us today, and we'll see you again soon.